Warning, the Bonsai Beat contains explicit language and may not be suitable for all listeners or fans of Neo Genesis Evigallion. Several anime companies have gone bankrupt. 1,337 anime fans have been sued. All the while, the Bonsai Beat has been there to deliver you the latest in news, show reviews, and discussions from both the experienced and novice anime fans' point of view. And now, broadcasting from a deserted island so Funimation's lawyers can't find them, here are your hosts, Jello Kuhn and Zach. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bonsai Beat. I am Jello Kuhn along with Zach. Hello, hello. About time. Jeez. <laughs> We are back with our top five of 2019 episode. As you called it last time, the funnest episode to record of the year. I'm going to stand by it. Although this year, specifically 2019, um, I could probably rank my top five uh, episodes of the year we did because we probably only did that many. (laughs) Yes, we only did like six episodes last year. Just think, we've recorded two in two months. We are on a roll true yeah man i'm pretty sure we're perfectly on time this time i mean depending on how we release it it might not reflect that but oh no this technically one... we did just record two weeks ago so we did so yeah it'll get done this week so you can put out in a couple of days or obviously as everyone's listening it's out now <laughs> yeah if you're listening it'll be out in a few days well that'd be funny if we released just a teaser and it was just like the first minute that would not be the correct thing to do. <laughs> I, I would be so mad if that happened to me listening to podcasts, especially ours. There's a teaser, but you know, it's not like a real timetable. You just have to wait like another month. I've actually had podcasts like, that do that. Um, they probably listening. are like pretty consistent. They are very consistent, but right. this was like a audio documentary that they were working on. So it was like a clip of like a, of, People they were interviewed and like uh, the subject, and yeah, it was really. Well, I guess like, that makes sense. They're, they're teasing, you know, upcoming content was, that ties into the current. Yeah, it was a special project they were working on. It was like something they normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Yeah, could you imagine how much it would be like a fuck you if we teased our podcast and then like potentially we wouldn't record for another two months <laughs> <laughs> and it probably wouldn't even be the same topic we teased because we'd forget, forget it yeah terrible. oh man yeah i don't i don't think we're allowed to incorporate that in our in our type of work no Well, I mean, not many episodes last year, but I was just reflecting on how long I've been on the podcast as I am turning 27 tomorrow. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I started when I was 19. Oh, man. So can you put this on your resume as like you're a very outgoing person and and, you know, you can speak elegantly? Uh, I mean, I do have that like already because, you know, speaking is a very important, important thing. skill. I don't necessarily like I don't put the res or the podcast on my resume. specifically. Yeah, I know. I've I given you shit. No. Well, no, <laughs> I'm elaborating because it is somewhat useful. I do. I briefly talk about it like if it comes up because it is like an important point. So 
I mean, I'm not just going to be like, and I discuss anime, and that's useful to your company, but it's like, <laughs> in, ad- in, ad- in addition to teaching and, you know, my different public speaking experience uh, in front of live people, I also record and discuss in front of listeners various topics, and then they're like, oh, tell me about it. Sometimes they'll get to know it's about anime, but... Then you'll be like, it's about the... So Lord have of you Marlins. heard of hentai? Yes. <laughs> have you heard of high school DXD? It's just great yeah. show about high schoolers. Do <laughs> like anime titties? Hire me. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Honestly, I kind of am jealous. I listen to a podcasters. They used to work for a radio station, and they were really popular, like uh, for wrestling fans, and they mm. were fired. The entire like team was let go, and they actually parlayed their podcasts into a company and started a company, all funded by Patreon. And uh, I mean, it sounds like a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, but I've thought about like how nice would it be just to be able to podcast for a living. And don't don't get me wrong, like. Uh, there, it gets monotonous trying to like review shit, or I have to sit down and watch stuff. Like, right. and then it becomes not just podcasting because now essentially they're running more than a podcast to make money, right? Well, they now have ads, and they're essentially oh, just running another radio show that exists online. Well, so that's the thing. There's no ads. It's all Patreon funded, so they have a free feed, which has like two of their most popular shows. And then they took the rest of it and said, hey, we'll give you bonus content, bonus shows to listen to. And that's what you get for being on the Patreon feed. Okay, yeah, that would be pretty fucking cool, I guess. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Well, okay, so what you really mean is wouldn't it be cool to be popular enough and good enough at this that we would have people pay us? Yes, that is exactly it. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah, that ain't that ain't happening. Anywho, I just thought it would be fun. Like, man, no one to like bark at you, no one to take orders from you. Although it is kind of scary to think about like if you stopped for a week or two or whatever, what would happen? Like, right. You know. But I mean, what do they have to lose? They got fucked at their job at like a real company, so <laughs> you might as well risk it. No, yeah, no, exactly. It's not like their radio show was uh, safe, apparently, so might as well work for yourself. Yep, no, definitely. Anywho, let's move on. So, two weeks have gone by, and, uh, man, I have started watching this show called Darwin's Game. I fucking love it. It reminds me a bit of uh, Future Diary. Although without yeah, the angsty kid, there's a lot of well, there's still a lot of angsty kids. True, but I see what you mean. In Future Diary, the main boy character is especially whiny. Yes, but I mean, on my review, what probably eight years ago now of Future Diary, forever ago. <laughs> um, I, I did discuss that I didn't actually find that annoying because I was relieved to have a show where the anime main character wasn't just a macho man willing to risk his life because most people put in that situation would not be Yeah, someone just got like murdered with a knife you wouldn't be like time to fuck people up you would be pretty concerned or at least I would 
not being a serial killer. So anyway, yeah, this one doesn't have a whiny kid, but they make it work better, I guess. I watched it because you were you were so into it, so we're probably on the same page. I didn't watch episode five, which I think is the newest. There's four, five or six, I forget. Uh, I think they're on five. Okay, yeah, five came out like two days ago then, and I didn't watch that one yet. Same. I've just been watching the Funimation dubbed. Oh, okay. I watched all subtitles. I was going to name the subtitles, but <laughs> not a legitimate company. So, yeah, I'm watching it subbed. Oh, what do you think of the sub? Like, what do you think of the voices? Uh, the sub's really good. I'm a big fan. It's it's tough because like half the cast is like high school characters and half is adults yeah adults but then also like people you don't really see their faces like you have the girl with the fox mask and the panda guy bondo and he just sounded like a like an older guy i don't know how they made him sound in english yeah i mean they they're older they gave him the generic japanese voice of like depressed middle-aged like salary man voice I'm (laughs) i'm sure you can picture the trope i'm describing yes yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, I'm, I imagine what his character just was in general. Because um, they kind of allude to it. Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Yeah. Did you want to lay out what it's about? Or... Uh, yeah, so, um, it's it's almost like an isekai. Uh, so, oh, no. I, I don't know. like starting out on that foot. <laughs> I know. It's not. Okay, so, if you get this app... You have to be. It sounds like you have to be invited to the game by somebody. You can't just find it. But I don't. I don't know. But our main character is invited to the game by a friend, who they eventually figure out died in the game. Uh, he opens the app on his phone, and a real life snake pops out and bites him, and he faints. He uh, then gets a special ability called a seal. And his ability is to able to make copies of... They say it's stuff he's seen, but it feels like it's stuff he's held. Because he had to go and touch the gun in the elevator. He couldn't just be, like, looking yeah. at it. And they... It should be touched. And, well, since we've already made it to what his ability does, because that's not revealed for a bit, I can talk about how his ability is just Trace On from the Fate universe. <laughs> I mean... Really? Like, uh, you've seen Fate Stay Night or Fate Zero, right? I saw the original Fate Stay Night. Okay, yeah. The main character, Emya, with the red hair, but yes. then also Archer, you know, because he's like the hero version of himself from the future. Um, His ability is just to recreate stuff. He's touched. That's why he can, like, make swords and stuff. Oh, that's right. And he can, like, strengthen materials, like making a broom, like, into metal and stuff. So his ability is is just the Fate Universe ability, and not even a minor one, just the main one. Which, whatever, it's fine. It's an interesting ability, I guess. But I just was kind of disappointed that like the mystery ability is really just a ripoff from like the most famous like fantasy anime universe. I thought it's it was going like, to be. It's not obscure at all. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be. He had the ability to have every ability. Oh, yeah. Now, if it was an isekai, that's what it would be. Or, no, no, if it was a high school... I wanted to say high school musical, but then you just think of the Disney Channel thing. But you know what I mean? The the high school magic show, if it's one of those, mm-hmm. the main character would have a harem, and his ability would be every ability. 
Well, there you, you can't go. Lose. But no, luckily it's just initially a mystery to him. And then I'm going to say it's things he can touch because he has not yet just made something he's seen. Correct. Yeah, he like specifically walks back into the elevator to touch the gun. <laughs> and the other thing, like, it's so weird that like this kid can figure out things like, oh, okay, he's over here, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. It just seems kind of like, uh, yes, this is like kind of like turn your brain off anime but it's like he's like okay well he's on the southwest and uh, if i go here you'll see this and that it's like really is anyone really that strategic um yes and i was gonna complain that he's actually not that smart he does some dumb stuff he does some really absurd smart stuff like you mentioned yeah like the cameras and um like tricking the girl with the gun. Like I don't know how he set up a string on the gun to make it shoot. To like tri- that was too elaborate. He was like MacGyver. Yeah. yeah. The like one second she lost track of him, he MacGyvered his way like into making an automated gun. But I guess he was pulling the string, so it's not too complex. But still, it was absurd. Yeah. Where do you get duct tape? But then the from? parts. The parts where he's dumb is at the end of the fourth. Oh, episode. I remember where. Yeah. Uh, the end of the fourth episode. Yeah, because that's. Oh, I yes. I agree. I don't want to spoil it because it's a big kind of a... No, it's the first big plot point, I guess. Or the first boss battle. So, but yeah. Yeah, but but then also, besides him being dumb there, at the very end when they're discussing the next person he has to fight, they're like... <laughs> I don't know how they pronounce it in the English dub. His name is just Wang, but they pronounce it like Wong. Oh, I don't know. Uh, wait. Um... Like the evil fireman the that fire? has like oh. snake tattoos. Uh, oh, that guy. Wait, no, he the doesn't leader. do fire. The girl with fire tried to kill him, yeah. Um, I haven't got that far yet. Four ended with the florist. and Right. Yeah, that's where it right. ended. No, they're they're alluding to that guy's group coming after them, right? After yes. After he defeats the florist. Yes. And when, when they do, he asks how many... This is my point for how he's not very strategic. He asks... How many rings are in the building? And they're like thirty something. It's, no, it's the next like twenty four target. Yeah, yeah, it's a big target. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, take nine and leave. And now he still goes for the building and not you. Like the yeah. solution is so simple, and he's like, time to get ready to fight. And you're like, but you're supposed to be smart. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the other thing, like uh, I forget who That's the a dumb choice. What's the girl's name? He's with not the, not the information broker, but the 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 red red dress. Like the information girl. I already tried to forget him. They just call her undefeatable queen. I forget her real name. <laughs> yeah. So. What, wait, what did they call her in the dub? Did they keep undefeatable queen? Because it just sounds ridiculous. Ah, uh, no. They call her like unstoppable or. Um, unstoppable blade woman. Uh, no, they like really stress the queen aspect of it in the in the sub. Uh they kind of do in the dub a little bit, but not. Not really. Uh Kirino, that's her name. Is that really her Shuka. name? I thought it was like... Kirino Shuka. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it started with an S. Yeah, um, Shuka. And Rain yeah, so. is the... Rain is the uh, information broker. Our main character is Kaname. Shoto, Shoto Kaname. Mm-hmm. So, eh. Anyway... It's a, been a fun show. It's just been fun to watch. I really liked the first episode, and even in the second episode. I mean, it was... I don't know. It's just a really fun show to watch. I've been enjoying it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you like the explanation of her ability? Of Rain's ability? Eh, I think it seems a little too convenient that she's just like, I know all this information because I was told all this stuff. It's like, when? Yeah. It, it, it seems absurd. And they're just... Hmm. I guess initially watching this because of the title, I was I was upset that it might just be like Darwin is survival of the fittest because this is something it's minor, but it upsets me how everyone quotes survival of the fittest uh, without any context. So having read most of the origin of species, which is Darwin's book, because I'm a huge nerd, the full quote is actually the fittest to cooperate is the species that survives. It's not survival of the fittest, period. Hmm. It's survival of the fittest to cooperate. And he was explaining how humans essentially cooperated and learned from each other the best. Well, so now that you say that, it actually makes sense. Right. The show does it well. I was ready to be upset where they're like, the strongest man always wins, but they're actually showing a lot of cooperation. And I'm like, maybe whoever wrote this actually read a book which is relieving after watching Sword Art. So, so. what do you... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to spoil anything too badly, but we see kind of the reason behind Darwin's game, and it seems like it's a plot point used way too much. Um, I mean, I didn't really even pick up on... The, did they give away the reason of the game? I didn't well, I didn't exactly give it away, but they had all those people watching in the room and they were all yeah, betting no, I, I mean most of those people though were ones that are in it oh they are yeah they're like or old least... people or something or whatever yeah but like they referred to two of them being like leader of clans and then we saw the girl with the fox mask and like the boxing man so we know two of them are and the other people they talked about what clans they were in i imagine they just all played the game Oh, okay. I misunderstood it then, because I was thinking, like, oh, here's the reason why this thing exists. They're watching because they they weren't invited to that event. That makes more sense. Okay. I'm an idiot. All right. (laughs) That makes much more sense. So I'm like, yeah, we still don't know, like, the person who made the app's intent. Yeah, so we don't know why Darwin's game exists. Yeah. But then, yeah, I was just referenced. So I'm not disappointed by the title. And the the Laplace's demon is a little... Like, far-fetched. I mean, I don't know as much about that, but as far as I know, he was, like, a scientist that talked about why determinism is so intriguing for scientists. Essentially, like, lack of free will. So everything's planned out by a higher being. And he used a demon because he didn't think God did it. Um, But plenty of people believe God is a determinist God. And there's plenty of, like, even Christian people that don't believe in free will, so... It's kind of like a far-fetched source for an ability, but an interesting one, I guess. Hmm. Um, so I guess I, I haven't been disappointed by, like, the the more knowledged places they're pulling from for their show. So I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah, maybe we'll get more. And it's not overboard. It's not like Madoka Magico, which I also enjoy, but has, like, 300 references. And you got to look them all up because I caught, like, three and then found <clears> out there was hundreds. Oh, geez. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I am bored as fuck with the Madoka Side Story show. Oh, I didn't start it. Ugh. Funimation is starting to dub it, actually. Like, it's supposed to come out soon. Hmm. 
Speaking I, I of... didn't have high hopes just because I like the original characters, so a side story isn't that intriguing, but... Well, side story has nothing to do with the main character, that's the thing. Right, that's why I don't want to watch that's yeah. why I don't want to watch it. Speaking of Funimation, they dropped an anime. So they're doing nineteen shows this season, simul dubbed. Wow. Can you believe that? Yeah, I guess they didn't really need like Crunchyroll's help for the for the brief partnership they had. Yeah, no, they're good. Like the they, the whole along they had the means to dub that many each season. Well, apparently, according to uh, Zach Birchie on uh, Pro, or is it Fan versus Pro podcast? He's saying that they pretty much have twenty four seven dub operations now. They have people who come in at night and will dub anime just so they get it out the door. Wow. Like it's crazy. But yeah, they dropped interspecies that explains viewers. The, the fucking dub of of Railgun. <laughs> which I shared the clip of. Yes. I mean they probably just pulled in the janitor from one AM night shift and they're like Hey, hey you wanna be a character? Pope? You want to be the Pope? It's a pretty fucking cool character. And he's like, oh, okay, I will read the lines. Yes. It was, <laughs> Check out our last episode for that clip. That's a good one. Oh, and also, speaking of clips. Oh, sorry, uh, not, not Zach Birchie, I'm sorry. It's, uh, 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 what the fuck is his name? Uh, Justin Savakis. Sorry, it was not Zach Birchie. Uh, it was Justin Savakis who said it been recredited well we'll, we'll fi- you can finish this story because i don't i don't care about this show uh so it's interspecies reviewers and i watched the first episode because i was like what the fuck's all the fuss about it's terrible it's a boring show and it's according to justin though fucking these types of shows sell like gangbusters even today oh so, I don't know. I mean, anyway. my only problem with the story I saw, it, like, censorship is one thing, and that's something you should be upset about. Uh, a company's decision not to, like, carry it is different. Yeah. I don't see how people can be upset. Like, oh. if you just don't want your company to carry it, that's fine. The uh, The coward's way is when you take the show, localize it, and then censor shit you don't agree with. And that's what actually destroys a medium. So I don't know why people are so upset. I think people are upset because, I don't know, I think they feel entitled. That, oh, you did all the work, and now you spent the money on doing it, and now you better finish. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I understand, like, uh, apparently episode three is pretty much all hentai. I hadn't watched episode three. I'm not going to watch episode three. But apparently whatever happens in episode three, they were censoring it so hard, there was actual scenes of nothing but black on your screen. And, like, the show became unwatchable. But it was yeah, so but... lewd, even Funimation was like, no, nah, we're fucking done. And people shouldn't be upset then, because... Oh, well, people like, are, people though. Are... People are angry as fuck. Yeah. Well, people are dumb. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> if the show is so censored that you can't even watch it, then why would you want them to continue airing it? Like, clearly they're not the company that should be doing it. It's how I feel. Agreed. It's not for them. Yep. And luckily they realize that, but fans just are too dumb to realize that. Fans are too goddamn entitled. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing to even be entitled to. You couldn't even watch it. It was just black until they release it on DVD, maybe. Like, I mean, I wait for the uncensored of DXD, but 
some people are com- like comparing the show to DXD, which is unfair because, like, sure, it's fan service. There's no getting around that, and it's part of the show. Um, but it's also like a really good comedy. So the this show has no redeeming qualities other than the fan service. So people are like, how? Why wasn't it a problem when DXD was airing? It's like that's a real show. <laughs> it's not just you know porn. So, I don't know. They're they're conflating two things. Yep. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to discuss? Oh, yeah. Are we back on Spotify yet? That was what I was going to bring up because you mentioned... I Oh, I said check out our last episode for a clip because we used a Funimation brief clip to talk about the voice acting, which falls under fair use. But we got removed from Spotify for using a song... A long time ago, eight 20, years ago. 2012. Yeah. For using a, a, a brief excerpt of a of a U.S. song, which is more likely to get a copyright claim. Oh, no, no, no. Not a U.S. song. A fucking Beatles song. True. Yeah, I guess technically British. But, but now Universal owns the rights to it. Yes. Um. Yeah, so... I mean, it's ongoing, so I don't even want to talk about it at this point. But currently, we are not on Spotify, so hopefully, oh. if you're listening on Spotify, you found us elsewhere, like our website, which is yep. the perfect time to plug the website, bonsaibeat.com. But yep. we would like to be back on Spotify, because we saw a lot of people listening, and I assume some people that weren't already listening, and some that find it more convenient to listen there, because I know I do. I mean, I have a Spotify subscription. I use it a lot. So some of the podcasts that I found on there, I listen on Spotify, like in my car. Um, so anyway, I'm the, the main problem, uh, without getting into like all the politics of it, is Universal is such a large company that a complaint from someone like us, specifically me, because I'm writing the email, means nothing to them and if it does mean something to them it goes to the wrong person because currently i'm like corresponding with the content what do they call themselves they have a team name hold on they call themselves content protection at universal so fairly straightforward name but the point is it's like one legal division of universal music within the u.s so it's like so many sub branches that like I can never appeal to someone that's like an HR person that would be like, you're just doing a podcast for fun. Carry on. This is like the legal team where their only goals are to protect their legal property. So I'm not going to win debating laws. So basically, I just, they initially took it down and Spotify emails you in case people don't know how this process works. Um, They make the claim. Spotify takes it down immediately. And then they email you and ask for like a rebuttal. And they actually encourage you to reach out to the person and they give you an email. They gave me the email of the universal person to contact them because they say, like, we have a claim until you resolve it amongst yourselves. This is the action that's currently happening, which I think is I mean, it makes sense that they would do it that way, I guess. But it kind of felt like guilty until proven innocent because they're just like, your stuff's gone. We listen to universal hash it out with them. Yeah. Meanwhile, I had to write nine emails to even get Universal to tell me what the specific instance was. Um, 
it took six emails for them to finally like recognize that it was in one and not the site map, which is the source they cited for the infraction. That's what <laughs> I find linked, funny. They're just like, they linked me to the entire feed. site map and they're like, this is against our company's copyright. And I'm like, well, you know, 90% of it is just bullshit we did. And like some is visual assets I know I own because I commissioned them. So I'm like, what do you actually claim on here? Right. You don't own everything. <laughs> so then after nine emails, they finally told me the episode in the instance and I, we removed it and then I emailed them back. And then today they said, and this is like, again, showing their lack of caring or like us being demoted to someone that isn't really on the same page. Cause they kind of wrote it in broken English. They said, hi, Zach, if the new episode doesn't violate our rights, we won't make a claim. And it's like, what does that even mean? New episode? I, I told them it was the same episode reposted. And then they said, we have no idea. So now they sound less professional. Oh, we geez. have no idea how Spotify tracks reposts. They should be able to tell you. And here we go. Here's my initial email that they were responding to. I should have read this first. I, I was being very nice. I said, thanks so much for the clarification of the issue. We have updated our pod feed and all recordings of that episode in question completely had the song removed. Having done so, it isn't now possible for you to remove your claim on Spotify. We really do just do this podcast for an enjoyment and didn't mean to interact on any of your copyrights. And then they write me that email that doesn't even like allude to what I just told them. Oh, man. So now I have to email Spotify if they even care because it's now like them. a whole month of it being gone and they probably don't care. It's probably the tickets closed, you know. It's, eh. a, it's a lot. And yeah, the politics of it is people that own copyrights are bullies to people that don't deserve it because they're hoping to discourage like greater theft, right? If you can make an example out of one person. And I get it, but it's frustrating because like you said... We do this for fun. Like, if I was making money right. off this, okay, I would definitely not put any copyrighted music into it. But I'm also doing it to enhance the show. Usually when I put in music, it's usually related to lyrics, usually related to what we're going to be reviewing or has some kind of meaning. Or we're specifically critiquing it. Yes. As in last episode, which is, yeah, fair use. I did a lot of legal research. I should have asked Zoldar because, you know, this is what he does professionally. Yes, he now, is. A, but... Should we hire Zoldar? At... As our copyright lawyer? Yes. Well, it quickly, in my previous emails, I only did it like the first two. It quickly became apparent that I wasn't going to win a legal argument with their legal team. Yeah. yeah, they really cited me some documents and I was like, oh, fuck, I can't even read most of this. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I backpedaled and I was like, ah, I see we might be using it wrong. Can you tell me what we used wrong? And then I eventually got it. But, yeah, it's, they know it's never going to end up in court, even if they are no. using it wrong. At the end of they the day. They don't have the means to sue anyone. No, it's frustrating, but I would hope you just be able to email Spotify and just be like, look, here's the fucking link in question. Here's the episode in question. Here's the link. Here's proof showing, uh, showing that, you know, you listen to the first, you know, gone, 30 man. seconds. It's gone move on please please unban us yeah that's what i'm hoping for we'll see uh and then i mean to universal's credit um we used i completely forgot about it you know because it's eight years ago you found it quickly um we did use a lot of the song at a reasonable volume and it's like 
yeah, we're not the person to bully, but that is technically their copyright. So yeah, no, exactly. It was a minute seven. They're in the right for filing it, but the way they did it and made me email them nine times to even tell me what the issue was, kind of upsetting. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's aggravating. Anyway. Anywho, move let's on, move on. Let's move on to the cake of the episode. The I'm cake. done discussing that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do some DVD picks? No. Or, no? I want the cake. You want the cake? Okay. <laughs> Top five of 2019. So every year, we pick our top five anime that we've watched. We'll give you a little synopsis, tell you why you should check it out, why we enjoyed it. And yeah, that's it. It's a fun thing to do. And we usually... It is a fun thing to do. Because I, I feel like me and you... We don't pick, like, every fucking hot show. No, we don't. You know, we pick the shows that were, like, either not talked about or they were, but, uh, you know, like, they aren't, like, on everyone's list. Yeah. I mean, the ones I have on there are pretty talked about this year, but sometimes we get more obscure ones, yeah. Yep. I always have, like, some sort of short on there, usually, which most people don't even give credit to. <laughs> there you go. All right. Top five, 2019. What is your number five, Zach? My number five is Kakaguri XX, or the second season of the gam- compulsive gambling addiction. Um, I just immensely enjoyed this show. Like, I don't think season two improved on it, and really, it added too many characters. Oh God, yes. But it's still, is it still the same fun show I enjoy? How the re- facial expressions are way over the top. The gambling is done in like a way where you can't really tell what's going on more so in this season. And now talking about it, I'm just like regretting it's not the first season, but it's still <laughs> just so much fun. Like there's never a time where I was upset or bored watching it. And I feel like that's rare. I find myself, you know, eight years of being a critic that I'm now too critical of stuff. So Kakiguri makes me just turn off my mind and enjoy the show and then try to figure stuff out and i'm like it didn't matter anyway they got me and then it feels good (laughs) there you go like trying to figure it out didn't make any sense you couldn't have predicted that crazy twist and i'm okay (laughs) with it when that show does it so it's still still a blast there you go my number five is how heavy are the dumbbells you lift i said it was a fun show about exercising and how they can fit erotic poses and and for good measure as well and they seem tasteful. Yes. Hibiki's a girl who is out of shape and she wants to get in shape. Luckily, she has some friends who loves the gym and encourages her along the way, as well as her homeroom teacher and a girl from Russia with an accent and stereotypes and everything. The best character, she though... A lot, of, a lot of stereotypes. There is. The best character, though, is Machio, who with little effort can destroy all his clothes with the flex of his muscles. The show is funny yet educational and offered tips for exercises for various parts of the body at the end of each episode and uh, made you kind of want to go exercise. Yeah, especially I like the they had uh, a clip afterwards too of, of them like doing the exercise so you can do it along with them. Yep. Like after the episode ended. Yeah, was, I mean, I'll be talking about it shortly. <laughs> it's, it's on my list too. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, disclaimer, I did watch more than five, which we've had some people here who have not met the five-show quota in previous years. I don't know who you're talking uh, about. Yeah, it could be anyone, really. <laughs> um, so I did have to cut a few. So it's it's not just there because it's the only show I watched. It is an enjoyable show. All right. My number four, I'm always going to be ahead. Well, I'll let you do number one before me but for now i'll always be ahead okay the rising of the shield hero is my number four and what started out as like a very disappointing isekai to me because i mean at this point this is a pretty mainstream show but we just claimed we put unique ones on um in the beginning so i don't feel bad about it spoiling it and we've talked about it at length in the beginning i found it was just like a boring isekai and the main character gets screwed over a lot and then he turns to slavery which seems extreme and this was really like upsetting to me initially i'm like he's gonna recruit a slave raccoon girl i'm like who's the target audience of this show is this like people that are anti-feminist you know like i could elaborate but it would just offend people but you know like who is this supposed to serve like it makes him look like a really bad guy but then the show becomes more wholesome, I guess. And of course he doesn't treat his slave like a slave and they grow a bond and everything. And I really, it's on my list because um, I have to forget this. Is, I have to remember, I should say that this is a top five. I always start by like roasting the show. I'm like, I hated it. And then it got better. <laughs> maybe the shows, maybe they're trying to make all shows like soon to raise now or the, the show is cold to me at first. And then it really heats up and then it gets much better. Um, but I really liked their conception of like the different isekai universes and how the people they were like initially friends with adventuring with, um, ended up being people trying to save their own world and were told that they're the bad guys. So that's kind of cool. It's like, I can't think of a good allegory or simile to it, but it's now like, who do you root for? Both people think they're in the right. They both come from a normal place, but now they're in a fantasy world where if they don't kill the other world, their world dies. And it's it's a conundrum because the only thing that made the main character a good guy is he was fighting for like the people in the show, right? But now you could just assume there's another person just like him in the other universe. So that, that was a cool twist. I like it. Um, And I guess because it betrayed my expectations of it being like another isekai early on that I liked it a lot more. It, it was refreshing that they didn't like keep just putting the main character down and eventually things went well for him, but then they twisted it at the end. So good storytelling in an isekai, very rare. That's why it's in my top five. <laughs> What's your number four? My number four is, are you willing to fall in love with a pervert as long as she's a cutie? So after cleaning the calligraphy room because you know everyone's in the calligraphy club yeah it gets pretty fucking wild so they probably had to clean it up a while they did a lot of ink yeah cakey finds an envelope that says i like you in a pair of panties now he must find out who his pantyrella is well he tries to find out he ends up finding out every weird fetish of every girl around him uh and every girl around him seems to have the intent of having them join him in their fetish. The plot is funny and out there, while the whole who could have done it aspect was fun at first. The show tends to rely on the same gags after a while, but then it plays the harem card and ultimately making the viewer decide best girl. 
It was simultaneous with Funimation, so it made viewing easy. And the, as a, the show is a very dialogue-heavy show, uh, it was a fun mm-hmm. show nonetheless. And at least check out the first two episodes if it's something that interests you. Doesn't sound like it's something that would interest me. I really, I don't even remember you watching that show. Because I never <laughs> talked about it. Okay, it was, was during say, our like, did, million months did, of not recording. Oh yeah, I'm like, did you ever mention this to me? I did. I had mentioned it when I tried opening the damn episode, and it was so fucking long. VLC player couldn't open it mm-hmm. because Windows is like fuck off. So you had to rename really? it to something super short, like something much shorter. <laughs> That's the next anime I want. Uh, I can't believe this anime's title is so long that I can't play it on VLC. Yeah, the yes, anime. Yes. Can't believe my sister's VLC title is this long. Yes. So yes. Uh, yeah, it was a fun little show. Uh, definitely turn your brain off. Um, you know, it's it's and there's other side stories going on too, but it's kind of like. You know, it's a bit much, but it's still fun. I enjoyed it for what it was. You're number three. Yeah, the question oh, the question ahead. I have is, like, yeah. when does he give up finding, as you referred to, as the show probably refers to, or the Pantyrella? Like yes. Cinderella. Yep. Um, he does I mean, it. eventually just give up, because it's, I mean, it seems like every girl in the school likes him, so. Yeah. Everyone in his little... fetish, and yeah. he doesn't have to find the original girl, because at this point, she sounds boring. Well, we do get a payoff on that, so. Okay. The final episode, we get revealed of who it was. It was his dad the whole time. <laughs> Thanks, anime. <laughs> Target the Alabama audience. Yes. Um, Number three, how heavy are the dumbbells you lift? So you just talked about it. Um, I don't know. I just really love the show, and it is very technical in what it discusses. Because they've had shows in the past that are clearly just the fan service. Like, they had the workout with me short, you know. We watched some of that, I think. Yep. Or it's just the anime girls doing like, oh, they're sweaty and they're doing sit-ups and they do two of them. And they're like, we didn't discuss what's going on when you do sit-ups. We didn't discuss, you know, what muscles or they didn't discuss that like sit-ups aren't actually that good for you like they do in the other show. <laughs> they're like planks are more effective. Yes. So, yeah, it just it does everything right. Whoever wrote it knows a lot about lifting or at least... I'm, I'm no expert, but I know a good amount, so I can verify most of it. And we forgot to get to talk about the Arnold Schwarzenegger ripoff. Oh, yeah. I I forgot about that. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I ever finished the show. Oh. I have been sitting at like 9 out of 12 on Analyst, and I'm like, ah, I think that's right. I don't think I ever finished it. But the <laughs> parts I did like, I really enjoyed. So it is you kind of got to be in the mood for it. But then, like, the mood of it makes me want to work out. So maybe... Maybe I should watch the show and then work out instead of the other way around. But either way, um, yeah, it's just a really enjoyable show. They did everything right. Somehow the fan service was like not absurd. Tasteful might be a stretch, but you know, like them doing the <laughs> exercise, it's just the girls doing the exercise and like they're attractive. They got boobies, but um, I like when they worked out and they'd, they'd exhale and like little smoke would come out or steam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit's how them working out. And then I think I think my favorite character, this was the guy, because they do write most of the jokes for him, but 
I, I like the the teacher, the cosplay teacher. Yes. I, I like how they mixed in someone older. She's still like unreasonably attractive, although she doesn't think it. But but either way, um, they're just like, oh, she always feels insecure because they're all so young and stuff. And I like the it's overdone, I guess. But I, I like the old or 30 year old woman teacher hates youngsters. Trope. I enjoy that. <laughs> I think it's funny that they're always bitter. They're like, oh, enjoy your love life. That's too late for me. And you're like, ha. Go die alone now. It's funny because societal pressures. But I guess like over time watching anime, just Japanese humor is more my humor now. They've kind of adapted me to to find the character flaw humor agreeable. Whereas like that's not really Western humor. (laughs) But now it is. Now it's my humor. I like it. All right. Number three for me. Are you the only one that loves me? (laughs) I like all these titles. Yes. I've watched a ton of harem shows, and for some reason, over my many years of watching anime, this is the first time that a show does something new with the genre. On the outside, uh, he's a nice guy trying to find a circle of friends. Wait, did I put the name? Ah, oh, really? God damn it. One second. He's a nice guy. I didn't write down the fucking name of the character. <laughs> it's a guy, though. And he's nice. Ah, oh, one second. Jesus Christ, I suck. <laughs> oh, I just have the show titles. I didn't write myself anything, so. Yeah. So, At least you prepared. Yeah, I prepared. I was right. I wrote down little synopsises. Hey, I've only seen seven shows this year. I should be able to remember them. <laughs> Though I couldn't remember the Arnold part because I don't think I finished the show. Oh, that was the best part. They do pose-offs and... I don't know. I feel like that's like episode four. I think I saw that. And they're like outside the convention center. Ah, Joro. That's it. All right. God bless the internet. All right. So Joro on the outside is a nice guy, always trying to help his circle of mainly friends who are girls, who are cute, uh, out of their binds or get them help with stuff. But on the inside, he knows he's just being used by these women. Mm. They use him because they use their sexuality to flaunt and they give him to do what they want. And he in his head he'll be like, You bitch, you fucking bitch <laughs> On the outside he's like, Yeah, I'll help It's great. Um all the characters have nicknames and it's like based on their name, but they'll be like, Oh, it has this and that so we call him Sunchan And like there's a girl named Pansy. Like they're not named after flowers. Hmm. So all the characters have nicknames, and one day he meets a girl named Pansy who's in the library, and she knows Joro's true character. She knows that Joro is a fake person just, you know, being fake. And what he really wants is one of the girls that he's around with. And so, basically, she blackmails him into hanging out with her in the library. Otherwise, she'll expose him to the rest of her, his friends. So he agrees. Eventually, she says, hey, I'm in love with you. And he flatly rejects her, calling her ugly. 
Damn. Yeah. But what Joro doesn't know is she also has a secret. Meanwhile, Joro has... not ugly. Yeah, you figured it out. Uh, meanwhile... <laughs> I said a secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there's more to it than that. Okay. Meanwhile, Joro has his eyes on uh, two other girls that he thinks he has a shot with. So in the first episode, the girl he really likes asks to have a seat with him on a bench. And she goes, Oh, I just can't stop thinking about this person. And I'm happy just to be around them. And my chest hurts. Can you help me hook me up with your friend Sunchan? Mm-hmm. And this happens like four different times by four different girls. And the kind of the humor of it is, is uh, Sunchan's like a baseball player. And there was like a big game like uh, like the year prior. And they were like, Sunchan lost the big game. I was in the west exit and I was ready to talk to him. But then I saw a girl come up and talk to him. And then like the next girl will be like, it was a big game. And I was in the east exit. And I was going to console him. And that's when I fell in love with him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now, they all witness the same event. Yes, they all the same event, and they all exactly say the same thing when they want to confess to the Joro. The and then like the bench will show up out of nowhere. Like they'll be in a classroom, and all of a sudden there will be a bench, and they'll be like, "Come, okay, come, I sit on the like bench." Gag. <laughs> and he goes, "No, it's Bench Coon. Fuck Bench Coon." <laughs> so now he ha- so. He gets confessed to by all these women that only get asked to help him help him play a part in getting the attention of his best friend, Sunshine. Uh, now he has flashbacks and nightmares to ben, of Bench Coon, and when Bench Coon shows up, he can show up anywhere. The show was hilarious and at times absurd, but the show uh, made its characters really, really likable. There was drama, and it was a bit silly at times, but for the most part, it was done really well, and the actual characters actually have depth to them. And they aren't your cookie-cutter harem girls that live and breathe by the main character. Um, I love the comedy. I love the show. It was easy to watch, and it was really easy to marathon. I actually ended up watching the first 11 episodes in, like, one or two sittings. And then, like, I just happened to catch, like, uh, like the 12th episode the day or two after I marathoned the first 11. Oh, wow. So you actually caught up as it was ending. Yeah. But the first season does end in a cliffhanger. But the good news is the show has got a second season that will be airing sometime this year. Uh, Aniplex holds the license, but Funimation has it on their site. So I'm really interested in seeing if the show gets an English dub or not. Because if it's done right, I think it'd be a really great dub. As the show's comedy is really great. And it's, again, another dialogue-heavy show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just worry that Aniplex's super high prices that they normally charge for their releases are you know, going to be a deterrent. Because this show was so much fun. I mean, I literally started watching this show because of uh, Mother's Basement on YouTube. He did a video on explaining, like why it was funny and why it's worth our look or, you know, our time. And I watched mm-hmm. like maybe a quarter of the video and I was like, this sounds awesome. 
And I just started watching it, and I just really, really enjoyed it. Nice. So. That sounds like one I want to watch. Yeah, it was fun. Or, I mean, more so than the last one. And I feel kind of bad. I just kind of gave away one of the big jokes. But, like, I can't explain the humor another way. Like, you know, it's, it's an absurd kind of humor where it's like, He's like in love with this one girl, and he's like, oh, I finally get. She's she wants to talk to me, and she's asking her to sit on the bench, and you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just hilarious. Yeah, check it out. It's really fun. If you watched harems, this is definitely something that isn't your run of the mill harem. Nice. Your number two. My number two is the Promised Neverland, and. I expected to be somewhere on your list. <laughs> it is number two. Oh, nice. So we both have it in number two. I'm like, you haven't talked about it yet. It must still be up there. Yep. Uh... Um, the single most important thing to me for The Promised Neverland was the cinematography. I don't know if they call it something different for anime, but I've never seen such effective uses of like cameras following people or like cameras panning around a room because most of it takes place just in the house or like the yard outside. And because of, like, the nature of it being somewhat, like, a mystery and they have to hide from the adults sometimes, not hide, but, you know, they have to do stuff in secret, the use of, like, cameras panning all around to see, like, people's line of sight is just so useful. It's, I, I don't know why we don't see it more in anime. It really made, made me question if, like, other anime now is disappointing. Like, I think about where the camera, or I guess the point of view is placed in a scene now, and... It just like disappoints me that it's not all the promised neverland <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed that i mean you've been watching anime longer like does cinematography is that even what they call it does yeah. that stand out to no you? definitely so yeah it's exceptional and like the few shows i watched after that because i've only watched a few since i've watched that i just i think about it more i'm like well if i was the director of anime why couldn't I have seen this angle? You know, why Why are we so zoomed out that I see like a bird's head view when I should be seeing the main character's perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was just, it was so good. They they created so much tension and made the show like so intense where it would fall flat, like without all of that. Not flat, because I mean, the story is interesting, but it would be hard to make a convincing like horror slash thriller show with children if they didn't make such good use of cinematography. So, exceptional. I won't talk about the plot. Yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. No, <laughs> but... I, if you want to listen to our review, check out episode 261. Right. Overall, the show is super enjoyable and cool. And it's unique. Like the, yeah, the 11 out of 10 camera work in the show just it makes it a must watch. If you haven't seen it you just and appreciate anything about anime, you have to see it. Yes. Yeah. I basically just said it was something very unique, something uh, really neat and new. I really enjoyed the uh, mysteries, the planning, the characters. And I said we reviewed the episode on episode 261. So, yeah. Yep. It should it, it should be a, like happened to you from Mother's Basement. You should go listen to like 20% of our review and then be like, that's cool enough that I got to go watch it. There yes. you go. You don't want to spoil it. You want to enjoy it. It's short. It's yep. a cool show. Yep. All, All right. right. I'll let you go first for number one. All right. My number one was Carol and Tuesday. Ooh. I generally like music anime, I seem to find. 
uh, White Album 2, Your Lion April, Kids on a Slope, and, uh, which was another uh, Shiro Watanabe uh, anime. Carol on Tuesday, the show was picked up by Netflix, and it took a while for it to get released, but once it was, I demolished the first 12 episodes in one sitting. The first episode was a bit slow, but from the second show or second episode forward, I was hooked. The music was so much fun. The characters of Carol and Tuesday were fun to see grow and hone their music craft and all the sides of the characters that went along with it. All the side characters are outrageous and have clearly have inspiration from famous musicians. I love the talent show segment. Uh, I think it was episode 7 they dedicated to. Uh, 7 or 8 was my favorite where we saw all the different musical acts and all the different shows and stuff. I laughed so hard when they picked who they picked and we get to learn about each character and their motivations of why they're singers. Uh, hmm. I really enjoyed the show and I think the wait to get a Netflix to have Netflix produce a dub was definitely worth the wait. And it was awesome that they actually brought in various producers from around the world to create the music. Um, they worked with so many different musicians and producers and and to create a very rich soundtrack. And, uh, like, you don't see that. It's Yeah, it's, I didn't even know that. That sounds really cool. Now yeah. I want to watch it. It was on my plan to watch, but, like, mainly just because it was, like, a musical drama. Not because of, like, all the, the cool stuff you're now discussing. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to watch it more. Yeah, it's it's a fun show. I, I wish I could just watch you. Honestly, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, watch episode 7 or and 8. Like, I wish I could play you some of the stuff on there. I, or just even just show you. Because I want to mm-hmm. hear your reaction. It was basically like an America's Got Talent, but for like musicians. Neat. And like and how I, ambitious to create within a show too. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the show. It's awesome. Check it out if you haven't checked it out. Do they have different genres? They got rap. Oh yeah, they got rap. Right? They got rock. They've got um, acoustic. They've got like a lot of shit. They got they got a lot of represent. They got techno. They've got acapella. Um, yeah, R and B. So yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Like tons of different genres. All right, I'm definitely watching it then. <laughs> well, my number one isn't even that convincing. It's fairly fairly mainstream, but I can explain why I love it. It's uh, Demon Slayer Yaiba. Is like the short title. And this one everyone talked about because it has the the cute girl he carries on his back who's his sister in like the little box. And he has a sword and he kills demons. Um, His name's Tanjiro. I forgot his name. Um, But the reason I ended up liking it is because I don't normally like shonen. And this, I guess, relating... Because, I mean, at this point, something has to be different to impress us, I suppose. Uh, I'm not sure we're cynical, but we've definitely seen a good amount of anime. So for you, it was the breaking of the harem expectation and having the running gag of, you know, not just all being in his harem. 
and they're all pining after this other guy. Um, so for me in this show, it was that he isn't necessarily the person that's weak. It's the people he's like protecting. Whereas most in that I've seen, and the reason I don't like it is because they progressively get stronger throughout the story to beat stronger and stronger people because they want the show to have like a feeling of progression. But to me, it just gets really boring because you know what to expect. This show, the first episode is whole families killed by demons, except for his sister who's mm-hmm. turned into a demon. And then he essentially gets recruited to be a demon slayer. But uh, the, the show uh, really shines when he has to like protect his sister because she's a demon, but she doesn't hurt people. But the demons don't like her, so they try to kill her, and she's not very strong. So now, like, it's more strategic, and he has to like keep her safe while also trying to find out the demon that killed his family. Um. And it's just, I mean, of course, the action's great, and it looks really cool, and, like, everything about it's a high caliber, but for me, just breaking the shonen expectation is what made me continue watching it. If the show started, and it's like his whole family died, including his sister, and now he has to just go find the demon guy, which would, like, be a perfectly acceptable plot for most shonen, I would stop watching it, because I'd be like, well, first he's going to become a demon slayer, and then... He's going to kill his first demon and prove himself. And then he's going to find more powerful friends. And then they'll find an enemy they can't beat. And some of his friends will die. You know, it's so, so predictable. Uh, but this just kept betraying my expectations. Where, like, they show the, the main demon guy's perspective. And he's blending in with society by looking like a human. And you see, like, choices he makes to, like, kill or send different demons to, like, go fight Tanjiro. And he doesn't, like, overcommit at first because he doesn't consider him a threat. But then he made a mistake. He, like, underestimated him and stuff. So it's cool, like, the main plot is that someone's acting to try to target the vulnerabilities of a character rather than the character just knocking down obstacles in front of him repeatedly. So very cool show. They're coming out with a movie soon where it all takes place on a train. I was getting uh, Bacchano flashbacks. Oh, man. But... But it's like the main flame swordsman guy in Tanjiro, and they're on a train. And I don't know if it's going to be like a mystery or if it's just going to be an action, but they're bridging the gap between seasons with the movie. So that'll be pretty cool. And it's just, it's a good action show. And it didn't turn me off to watching it like most shonen. So it still ranks. <clears throat> It, it like sounds more benign, I guess, because I got much more excited talking about the Promised Neverland. Uh, but I'm glad it's like such a a strong like pillar of an action show. I guess I was so happy to have like a good example of an action show that it ranked higher than the Promised Neverland that has more cool technical stuff. If that makes sense, <laughs> it was exciting to get something normal that was good. Uh, so yeah, yeah, check out Demon Slayer if you somehow missed the internet craze of it <laughs> but the, the craze was warranted unlike some shows well there you go all right that is our top five anime of 2019 and don't get me wrong like we probably missed the big hotness or your favorite but tell us what you think bonsaibeat.com leave comments tell us what your top five was for 2019 Is there anything else you want to discuss before we head off? Ooh, 
the super ambitious next episode. Oh man. Yes. Of our podcast. On the next episode, we will be reviewing reviewing or revealing. I guess revealing. We will be revealing our top 10 anime of the 2010s. Holy yeah, I feel crap. like it's something I've earned. As someone who's been an anime fan nearly a decade, I have earned the exclusive right to reveal my top 10 <laughs> oh, God. of an entire I... decade. And we talk about often the life cycle of an anime fan, and they make it like three years. Yeah. We're setting history. Not really, because there's some fans that are insane, but you know. We're oh. we're now in, in the 1%. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's probably not accurate. People are like, uh, come on, Zach. You watch six shows in one year? You're yeah. a filthy casual. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're fucking casuals. Probably. but it Most like of the shows we watched last year were Sword Art Online. Yeah, fuck. I watched, what, four seasons of Sword Art and five <laughs> normal shows? <laughs> if they stop making Sword Art, think of all the time I'll have. Oh, man. We can spend it on uh, Nisekoi or Attack on Titan. Oh, my God. I'd actually be excited for another season of Nisekoi. I'm kind of Titan, though. <laughs> you know what? I went and looked at Nisekoi. It started airing in 2012, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, are you sure? Let me check. Let me check. I, think I feel like it's 2013 because I, I specifically watched it with my roommate, Tristan, in okay. undergrad. And we uh, had our own uh, house. We're both wrong. Winter of 2014... And then we got it in spring of 2015, and there's been no other anime, no other Nisekoi. Yep. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's forgetting the year. Yeah, the year I graduated was the year I watched it, so that was 2015. 32 episodes later, and we still don't have a goddamn conclusion. Yep. That was the running joke watching it with my friend Tristan. We were like, oh, this show will never go anywhere, but we love it. <laughs> Gotta love it. It's just, it's so good. The characters are wholesome. Yes, sure. Sure. <laughs> it, it's the right balance of like of sweetness and comedy. And I feel like... Well, now I'm just... I'm not going to break into another review as we're ending the episode. But I, I feel like Bakamonogatari tries to do this. And it just... It does not hit the balance between like characters that are relatable and sweet and comedy. It just makes me feel like they took too much stuff and tried to put it in one character and now they're exploding with different personalities. <laughs> it feels so much more manic. Nisekoi just feels so chill and it's balance of that. Alright. I gotta think about my top ten. Yeah, I've got a preliminary list and I've gotta pare it down and it's hard. Yeah. Especially when you go back and like Looking at like 2010, I watched 24 shows or something like that that year. Like, man, it was nice when I didn't have a job for like <laughs> most of the time. And well, let's see, I started, yeah, in 2010, I was working, but it was like I had just moved to North Carolina. And for like four or five months, I was literally by myself. So all I did was watch anime and, pod and record this damn show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I watched yeah. twenty one. 
Yeah, it was like 24 or 26, or I told and, you the numbers. And like and Book Girl's on there. Yes. <laughs> Our copyright claim. Yes. So. But I was oh, just man. like, I remember watching that show. I remember talking about that show. Yeah. And we're going to have to talk about, like, our, oh, fuck, Angel Beats, too. That's got to be on there. I don't know. But there's probably no room. It's stressful. And we're going to have to talk about our approaches to it. It's like the cheater way, I feel like, if you don't go full effort, would be to pull, like, your favorite from each year. See, I couldn't do that. because Yeah, that's that's not true to the top ten of the decade, right? Because then you're just you're cherry-picking them. You gotta, you gotta compare them against all of the other ones. I'm looking at... My way of picking was... What are the shows that most resonate with me that I could tell you about today and enjoyed? Yeah. Not that they were highly critical or any of that stuff because there was oh, yeah. a couple tens on there there was a couple right, tens yeah. but i was like i can't I'm, choose i'm not this. even looking at the scores because like i have some at nine but that was me 10 years ago i don't yeah. know i don't know if the haruhi movie's still a nine in my mind fucking it's damn good. right it is <laughs> you're like that one's already number two for me so yeah i'm gonna but... fucking fight you motherfucker yeah <laughs> i really have ori emo higher so uh fuck yeah you. <laughs> I don't doubt you do. You like trash anime. So, so do yeah. I. So it's all good. We need, we need Zoldar. <laughs> oh, God. All his is like lolly shit. Yeah, it's it's either lollies or uh, teetoting philosophical shit. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm an intellectual that enjoys children's. So, but it would be fun to have him on because, oh, my God, two perspectives is already going to be. Oh man! Uh, well, you know conflict. Imagine three. We'll have too to, much conflict. We'll have to talk to him. Yeah. Oh man! But yes, just think. Uh, ye, ten years ago, I think it was like November of 2010. We were recording episode 100. Wow! Two and... years from that date, I would join in like November 2012. Yeah. Let me see here. Uh, oh, I don't have it listed. Um, oop, that's 122. Oh, that's 102. Yay. So, yeah. Uh, My first one was like Claymore when we were still trialing uh, different people to replace oh, Zeldar. you know what? I am wrong. It is actually January 10th, 2011 was episode 100. So... But I had just released our first episode of Top 5. It was a Top 5 of 2010. I am actually very proud of that episode. Because I did that. I was bored one day. And I was like, man, I want to do something unique. So I just looked at my Top 10 of 26 shows or whatever I'd watched that month, that year. And yeah, I, I really enjoy going back and listening to that. It's one of, those, it's one of my prouder episodes. Mm-hmm. That probably my favorite episode I think I've recorded is Arcade Gamer Fabuki. We should have like a top ten of the podcast. <laughs> oh man, that's I... pretty meta. <sighs> the first honest... episode I did was one forty three, Future yes. Diary, and the future of the podcast. And I want to listen to it because I bet it's me just saying nothing unless asked specifically to say something because I was timid yes and also i recorded it like from a really that was when i just went back to college like sophomore year 
and initially we were in like the smallest of rooms before we like moved places we were like bamboozled into renting the wrong place oh. so i essentially recorded it in like a closet i could stand up and touch wall to wall in my room nice in my, like, dorm room <laughs> so i really want to listen to it <laughs> it's probably absurd i still feel bad that kirby never joined us is that his name her I remember no, someone it was named like bacon her name yeah, there was a girl. A, there yes. was also some other guy I reviewed Claymore with. Yes. And he only did one. Yes. <laughs> I think. He did. Which one was it Kirby on? I forgot. We never did one with her. We were gonna record oh. and she had like a fan or something running and we're like, you, you can't can't have that. And her microphone was really shitty. And we're like, we we can't we can't record this. I felt bad. I think we're kind of dicks about it. Probably. I don't know. Whatever. I feel like each year I become less of a dick and then I reflect that I was. So, you know, eight years ago might be a safe bet. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, can you believe it? Ten years almost. Yeah. So that is that. Like I said, we'd love to hear your, uh, your top 10 or top 5 of 2019 what will 2020 have in, have in the pipeline will Darwin's <laughs> game be on my top 5 next year or later this year I don't fucking know not uh, mine all I'm I know excited. I'm getting excited to roast it for it's bad use of like dubstep music for every fight <laughs> <laughs> all I what know is this 2010 yes I'm waiting for the anime industry to, like, collapse on itself because they're fucking doing, like, oh, we're doing 100 anime this season. And none of it sells. They're going to accidentally not communicate with each other and release, like, the same subtitle. I can't believe my sister's in an isekai, and they're like, fuck, another studio did that one. Gotta go back. Damn. (laughs) Change the sister to a big brother. How many original ideas can there be? I mean... We already have Darwin's game taking the most famous like magic ability in all of anime. Yep. That's probably a stretch, but you know, it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> People are getting ready. People are already writing their comments. Come write your comment on Bonsai Beat if you disagree that Emi Ashiro's ability is the most famous anime ability. People will be like, I'll have you know, fucking Goku and yeah, go off. Exactly. The over 9,000 ability. Yeah. <laughs> it's clear. Yeah, it's my statement was too bold, but it's up there. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. That'll do it for this episode. We'll be back with our top 10 of the 2010s on the next episode of the Bonsai Beat. This has been the Bonsai Beat Podcast. If you have any feedback, head over to bonsaibeat.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. While you're there, you can also find our review index, which has a list of all the anime that we've reviewed on the Bonsai Beat podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to add us to your favorite podcatcher. You can find links to do that on our website. Otherwise, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio if that's easier for you. Once again, this is the Bonsai Beat podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you have any other questions or comments, you can send them to bonsaibeat at gmail.com.